so it is a, a joy to be with you this morning and uh, give you just a little bit of my, uh, of my background and how we ended up here. Uh, I have been in full-time ministry really since I graduated undergrad, which is a long time ago, 20-year high school reunion coming up uh, this summer, which is a little scary to think about. But uh, most of ministry was spent in, in Southern California. Uh, worked at an amazing uh, Asian-American church there. My wife actually worked on staff uh, as well, and uh, just a, a really amazing time there. And then through that, kind of a crazy story. A lot happened. It ended up in France. We did two years of missions with the image, how about that? Evangelical Covenant Church. And uh, through that time, just really loved the church and knew that I wanted more and I wanted to go deeper. I wanted more preparation, and I was finally ready to go to seminary. And so we actually went to the Evangelical Covenant Churches Seminary in Chicago, North Park Theological Seminary. Uh, but we were about to have our third kid. We were moving back from overseas and said, I don't think we want to do that in a brand new city where we don't really know anyone. Let's go home to Oklahoma. And my wife and I are both from there. We have grannies that are there that can help with kids. And uh, so we did that. We always knew that was going to be a season of preparation, that we were gonna, going to be launched out in some way, shape, or form. And so through that, uh, started working at Apple because you need to pay the bills and you need to have insurance. And that turned into a kind of cool career. And so we had looked at Washington, D.C. for a long time and had thought and prayed about being here and being in ministry. Uh, there was a, a, a job opportunity with Youth for Christ that allowed us to come out here. My wife is the executive director for Greater D.C. Youth for Christ. And then I was able to transfer with Apple, help open up a, a flagship Apple location at Apple Carnegie Library in D.C. And uh, as I started to look for ministry opportunities, who would have guessed that this local church, less than a mile from our house, that we had been going to since Easter, uh, would be hiring and I would be standing before you today. So it's been an amazing journey, and pun 100% uh, intended there. But it's, it's great. Chad has said a couple times that I get to do all the things that he doesn't want to do. Uh, here's what that means. Definitely all of the guest services. Uh, so I'll be overseeing those teams and, and leading those uh, great team leaders. Everything that makes Sunday morning happen that is not kids and worship, essentially, um, I will get to have a hand in. That also means communications. That also means life groups. So we'll have a lot coming up in the next month or so about groups that are starting. would love for you to be a part of that. Uh, so I stand before you today um, on the verge of a new decade, a new year, just really excited and hopeful about this year and what God's going to do. So before we dive into the message, would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for the things that you've done in our lives as we look back on 2019 and look forward to 2020, uh, may we see your leading. May we see your guidance. May we see your presence in our life. God, thank you for this opportunity to gather at the beginning of a year, and we, we pray for a fresh start. Would you do something new in us? 
Would you help us to be open? No matter where we are on our faith journey, would you do something new? God, I pray against any distractions. I pray that you would speak to us. May there be a word or a point. May something sink in so that we can take hold of this and change our lives. God, would you let Scripture speak this morning? Would you give us the the boldness and the courage to put this to action? Would you guide me, use my words? And Spirit, we pray for more of your movement, more of your direction. We pray all of these in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. All right. A new year, 2020, and that also brings New Year's resolutions, right? Any resolvers out there? Okay. Here's the deal. Studies would show that if you did make a New Year's resolution, uh, 77% of us can keep that for at least a week, okay? We're only five days in, so you're probably doing it, so good on you, okay? Way to go. Um, It's no secret that this time of year, we kind of get a little obsessed about these resolutions. We'll see internet searches spike, particularly for things like weight loss and for dieting plans. Uh, I actually have 2020's top 10 resolutions, if you'd like to see those, all right? Uh, We're going to start in the middle. This is what people are resolving to do this year. Four, five, six, seven, all the traditional stuff, right? Lose weight, go to the gym, happier, better mental health. I thought that was cool. That was on there. Uh, Be more healthy, all right? It's kind of traditionally what we think of. I love number three here. People said, forget that. I want to eat more of my favorite food. (laughs) I don't think I need a resolution to do that, so... But that's cool. Maybe some people do. Um, There's some other ones on here. Number two, trying something new. Number eight, be a better person. That's that's cute. That's I know someone that can help with that. It's news Jesus. Um, Number nine, upgrading your technology. I don't work for Apple anymore. That one's on you. Um, But I love. Let's do number ten, staying motivated, and then number one, actually doing my New Year's resolution. (laughs) All right, maybe we have to resolve to actually do what we say that we're going to do. But in the first week, maybe things are still together. It's still intact. If so, great job. These are all great things. My life has been improved by doing multiples of these combinations here. And uh, so there's a lot of good things that we can do, right? But I wonder if there's a better thing. Is there something better that we can do. And as we gather here at the beginning of 2020, what will this year hold for us? How will our lives be different as a result of 2020? What will we do different as a result of being a part of this journey community? The Bible uses this term kingdom, and it uses this to talk about the reign of God, When Jesus came and when he was resurrected and he gives us his spirit to live inside of his followers, to carry out his work in the world, the Bible talks about this being the kingdom. This is God's reign on earth. This is when God is moving and working and this is how he's bringing about his purposes. All right, so that's this time, the time, the season that we live in. This is what Jesus came to start. The gospels are filled with this. 
phrases like the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the reign of God, some gospels over 30 times will use one of these phrases. And so if Jesus talked about this and the gospel writers wanted to make sure that we got this point and really understood it, I thought at the beginning of 2020, let's spend our time talking about what does it mean to live in this kingdom? How do we actually be a part of what God is doing? And how might we be changed in the process? Sound good? All right, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians. If you have your Bibles, there's some under the the table. I'll have scriptures up on the screen. You have sermon notes that's in, in the app. There's all kinds of things you can do. Use your Bible app on your phone, 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to look at this section that where Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he, he lays out several different things about how this works, how we live in the kingdom, and how we will be changed. We're going to start in 4, and we'll look at 16 through 18 first. It says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. All right, let's take a look. We'll look at 18 as well. So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Outwardly, we're wasting away. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. We can choose to look at this as as bad news, okay? We're, we're temporary. We're, bodies are wasting away. It might not be super encouraging, but Paul knows that it, in order to talk about how to live in this reality, we have to address this. We have to be able to talk about what this is and also where we are headed and where we are going in this reality. Um, it, it's no secret that we're wasting away. It's no secret that uh, we have troubles in this life. There's aches and pains, and our metabolism fails us as we get older, and it's not fair. But there's this worldview of, okay, how do we live? In light of all this, what should we do? Because this matters if, if we say, all right, we hate this physical world, and if the physical world is bad and we just want to get to heaven, what does that mean about how we live? What does that mean about how we treat people? Okay? If that's the case, if we don't care about this world, then we won't care about other people. We'll just run this thing into the ground because it ultimately doesn't matter, and we're going to go somewhere else, and, and everything's going to be fine. Paul says something different here. He says, even though it's temporary, we still have hope. The physical is not bad. The physical is just temporary. As Paul is writing to this church in Corinth, a lot of this language that he uses in here has to do with Greek philosophy. It has to do with uh, people that we read about in Psychology 101, like Plato and Aristotle. And he's using a lot of imagery and language that would connect and that would apply and make sense to combat some of the things that they would typically think and hear. All right? Uh, I, I think that totally makes sense for us today as well. But I think if Paul was writing to us today, I think he might 
change that a little bit. I think he might use some different imagery. And I think Paul would have to address the problem of evil in this world. Okay, if the world that we're in is temporary, if our bodies are temporary, but if there's evil in the world, you ever have that conversation with someone? How can God be good and allow this to happen? When I was in Oklahoma City, I was uh, working for Apple. I was finishing school. And once I I graduated, I was also an on-call chaplain at a hospital. And so you walk in to these situations of families at their lowest of lows. Uh, Families in crisis, in distress, asking really big questions like this. How can this happen? Why did this happen? Why would God allow this to happen? And it's hard. And it's hard. And I think if we take what does this passage say about our life here and what God is doing and what he's up to, I think he'd say something along the lines of the existence of evil doesn't negate the kingdom reality. Just because there is evil here does not mean that God is here. It does not mean that God is not here. It means God still is here. God is working, even though we still have this existence of evil. Paul whispers to us and says, hey, there's, there's more, okay? There's more. These things that you're concerned about, the troubles that we carry, the burdens that we have, the things that we're obsessed with, the, the jobs, the clothes, the social media, the house, the all, there's more than that. How will we live this year in light of the kingdom? I hope that we understand that there is more. But we also have to see that the kingdom is here and the kingdom is now. And this is some really cool stuff. We have to be able to talk about what does heaven mean? Is our life, is this all about saying a prayer and getting a ticket to heaven? Is that all that we need to do in this temporary life, in this phase? Or is there something different that's happening? All right, Um, Plato, Greek philosophy, it greatly affected how the New Testament writers talked and the things that they tried to address, okay? Um, And and sometimes some of the words that are are in there cause confusion for us. Take the word heavens, for example, the heavens, all right? For a first century Jewish person, the heavens, do you know where they are? The heavens are anything— an inch above the ground. <laughs> and so we have this physical world, but we have this world. It's not necessarily clouds. It's not necessarily far, far away, the spiritual world. It is, it is this, okay? And sometimes our pop culture doesn't help either. We have images of heaven, like uh, little naked babies with wings, and, you know, we have pearly gates, and we have all these things. Disney talks about it. Disney says all dogs go where, right? To heaven, right? We don't know about cats, okay? (laughs) We're not sure. I'm very allergic to cats, but Maybe God will heal me of that, and we can have cats as well. Um, So 
I do want to look at a, a passage in Revelation because this is where we get a lot of our imagery on heaven and where we get a lot of our um, context for what is happening here. When you look, you don't necessarily need to turn there. It'll be up on the screen. Revelation 21 is super important. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now where? Among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. God's ultimate dwelling place is here. Isn't that cool? Like, literally, we're talking heaven on earth. And in verse 10, a lot of our images that we have about heaven come from this section. And it talks about, um, God showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down. Okay? This is where all of the pearly gates and the streets of gold and the, you know, all all of that is in this section. And this is a picture of Jerusalem, the holy city, coming down here, heaven on earth. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, what did he teach them about the kingdom? He said, God, your kingdom come, your will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. And so that changes things, right? That changes the way that we care for and steward our world. That changes the way that we treat people, does it not? This is what it means to be a part of the kingdom reality, to be a part of this type of work. It is here, but it's also now. We'll go back to 2 Corinthians here. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9. We'll skip ahead just a little bit in the section. And it says, So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body, like right now, or away from it. Okay? So we can please God no matter where we are, whether we are living or in the afterlife after Jesus comes back. Right? So heaven is now. This is not another place. It's not another order. It's not about going to heaven, but it's about God's reign and bringing heaven here, his kingdom to earth. That passage in Revelation, it talks about how he is restoring to make all things new. This is what God's about. He's making all things new here And we live in this tension of the kingdom is here because Jesus has already been resurrected. He's already given us his spirit. It's already, but not yet fully. It's already, but not yet. And this is where we live in the tension. This is how we're about kingdom work, is by bringing more and more of this in. When I was in Southern California, I was a youth pastor and... uh, we had a a sister campus in Mexico City, and so we wanted to take our Orange County kids, middle, upper class, Orange County bubble kids, and get them out of, uh, out of Southern California, get them into the world, have them experience culture, and help out our church, and work with some community organizations down there. And so we ended up with this organization that was working at a It was basically the old city dump. There's no other way to say it. And it was free land, and no one wanted it. There was no possession of it. And so people started building huts and structures and kind of turned into a neighborhood, essentially, on top of the old 
dump, and that's where we were, and that's who we were working with, and there were some ladies in the community that really wanted to clean up their street. They wanted to bring hope and some restoration and bring life back, this main thoroughbred, essentially, through this neighborhood. They wanted to clean it up, and so we have a bunch of high school kids, and we're like, we got some manpower. We're going to make this happen, and so we hand out some rubber gloves, we hand out some trash bags, and we say, guys, let's make these ladies' dreams come true. Let's join them in this work. Let's clean this up. Let's show them that God sees them and that we care about them. We're here to help and serve and love. And one kid looked at me and my wife and goes, I'm not doing that. We're like, oh, oh, okay, you're not? He goes, these are $80 shorts. I am not getting them dirty. <laughs> and we're like, okay, get to work. <laughs> there was another kid. His hands were literally shaking as he's sticking them down in the, uh, we're going to call it dirt because it makes us feel better. But like, I mean, we're picking up all kinds of nasty stuff, old baby diapers and dog jawbones and just chaos in this, in this street, trying to help these women bring about hope and healing and restoration in their neighborhood. And, and that's, that's what it's about. Luckily, no one got sick and no one got diseased from it. So it was okay. Um, N.T. Wright is, is one of my favorite theologians, and he talks about how our activity now in the world is connected to the kingdom. And, and I love this quote from him. It's from his book. Um, uh, uh, what's the name of this book? Uh, Surprised by Hope. Surprised by Hope is this one. It says, How does believing in the future resurrection lead to getting on with the work in the present. Okay, if we believe that God's doing something, how do we live now? How are these connected? He says, quite straightforwardly, what you do in the present by painting, preaching, singing, sewing, praying, teaching, building hospitals, digging wells, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbor as yourself will last into God's future. These activities are not simply ways of making the present a little less beastly, a little more bearable. They are part of what we may call building God's kingdom. There is more than heaven than just a place we will go eventually. There is more to the kingdom life than what will I gain once this life is done. This is what it means to be a part of the kingdom. This is the abundant life that Jesus talked about. The life and life to the full. You could say it this way. What we believe in, when you believe in the kingdom, you believe in life before death. That's what we get to be a part of as a church, is life before death. So what will 2020 hold? I pray that it will be life. I pray that you would join us in bringing about more hope and restoration to the world. As we feed hungry kids in our community, the first Sunday that I ever came to the journey was the Sunday right after Easter. We weren't here. We were at Key Middle School packaging meals with Generosity Feeds. And I walked in and I said, okay, see all the teal shirts and you see all these people. Some are a part of the journey and some aren't. And you go, there's a church that took the momentum right after Easter and said, okay, we're not going to use that momentum for ourselves. We're actually going to 
take this and help our people and the community serve? I was like, that's a church I can be a part of. That's amazing. That's the type of life that we're talking about. Uh, it started at the beginning by talking about New Year's resolutions, right? And typically we talk about habits, okay? Uh, how many days does it take to form a habit? 20, 21, something like that, right? And, oh, you got to just do it repetition, repetition, repetition. That's how you form a habit. But research actually doesn't show that to be the case. Uh, what research shows is that repetition makes a habit easier. But the best way to create a new habit is actually here. It's actually to change your mind. And when you change your mind and associate positive emotion with that new behavior, it makes the habits of the new behavior even easier. Uh, for me, I have been on a weight loss journey for a, a number of years. I've lost over 70 pounds. And it was really when my wife got pregnant with my first child that I could no longer say, oh, that's a bad picture of myself. Oh, I don't like that photo. Oh, let's uh, delete that one. It was like, no, that's, that's a real picture of myself. And that's what I really look like. And when my wife got pregnant, I was like, I want to be around for my kids. I want to be able to run. I want to be able to play. And all of a sudden, I had this new motivation in my mind. And so it made things like, you know, drinking more water and portion control and counting calories, like all the things that we know that we're supposed to do, it made those habits easier to do because now I had a motivation. Now I had a reason on why to do it. And the same is true with our life in Christ. When we know what God has done for us, when we know that we're forgiven, when we know what we have been forgiven for, it makes it easier for us to extend that to others. When I think about what God has done for me in my life, the most natural thing possible is for me to serve him, is for me to change my behavior and be different. Here's what the kingdom tells us. Kingdom participation makes us new. Being a part of this, being a part of this movement and this work in your life will actually cause you to be a new person and a new creation. Let's look back at 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. Here's what it says. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ— he or she is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. If you are a part of Christ, you are new. You are something different. You're a new creation, it tells us in verse 17. Verse 18, if you keep going, it talks about how we have this new ministry that we're a part of. Verse 20 tells us that we have a new title. We are God's ambassador. Literally, God sends us out as an official authority to be able to make him known and to work on his behalf. We are an ambassador for Christ. Do you want to be different in 2020? This is how you do it. Join us in this type of kingdom work because you will be forever changed. So what are the next steps for you? What, what could this look like? I think it could look like a lot of things. And it's going to be unique for each and every one of you. It might be, 
I need to have that starting point. I need to, I need to get right with God. I, I need to ask forgiveness. And if that's the case, when we take communion, we'll actually have our prayer team in the back. We would love to be able to pray with you, help walk you through what that means. It might be um, getting baptized. We celebrated a baptism on Christmas Eve, and I thought it was the coolest way to be able to do that. Of Here we are celebrating Christ's birth into this world and his presence coming into the world. And now we're, we have someone that is being baptized into the water, raised to life in new, uh, raised to Christ in new life. And what a cool picture of the thing that Jesus came to do. We're actually doing it. And the life that he came to give us, we're actually seeing it on Christmas Eve. We had over 32 baptisms this year as a church. 32 people that have made this public declaration that, hey, this is what I believe, and this is the type of kingdom work that I am living. Amazing, amazing work of God in our midst. So it might be baptism. It might be, hey, I've been around. I want to be connected here. Maybe it's a starting point class of saying, what's this church all about, and how do we get involved, and how do we be connected? It might be joining a life group, and we'll have more information about those and how to come, a men's group, a women's group, a couple's group, in your home, whatever that, that is. There's lots of different ways for you to get connected uh, relationally with our community. It, it might be serving. It might be saying, okay, I'm going to give one Sunday a month to be able to be a part of what God's doing around here. And you guys have already done amazing work with our Erase the Red campaign last month. Uh, we've incredible roles, incredible um, turnout from you to say, yeah, I want to get involved. There's still some, still some places left. So we'd be able to t- talk to you about that as well. We're only five days in to 2020. You, you have time to adjust your New Year's resolution. You have time to perhaps adjust that and do something with a, a kingdom focus. In 2020, would you join us in this work of the kingdom? And what better way for us to begin that than with communion? We have this ritual that Jesus started for us, and he said, hey, when you gather, do this in remembrance of me. If you look at 520, it says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And we have the bread and we have the juice to represent his body that was broken for us and his blood that was shed for us. Because without his coming and without his sacrifice that he made, these things are not possible. This kingdom life doesn't happen. And so here the band's going to play, and we invite you. There's stations around the room. If you want to come up, take the bread, take the cup. Actually, take it back to your seat. Take this together as a church family. But we'll have this moment to be able to take communion. Remember what God did for us and the kingdom that he started that we now live in, that is here, that is now, that changes us. Let's pray. God in heaven, thank you so much 
thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. God, we pray that you would make us new. God, would you bring us new life and allow us to be the hope for the world. Father, we give you the year of 2020 and all of our church activity and our work and the plans that we make and we pray that you would bless it, that you would multiply it, that you would use uh, our, our attempts to bring about your kingdom, to be involved in your work, to be your hands and to be your feet in this world and change us in the process. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things.